0: It! Welcome to Best Picture This where it is always Oscar season.
1: I'm Mike. And I'm Brian. In this show we reevaluate every Best Picture nominee from the 21st century and decide whether to keep it or kick it from its Oscar pedestal.
0: But don't worry, those we do kick are immediately awarded $1 million and their dream girls a consolation prize. They become a millionaire. <laughs> In 2008, the nominees for Best Picture were The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Frost Nixon, Milk, The Reader, and today's movie, The Year's Big Winner, Slumdog Millionaire, directed by Danny Boyle. Here's the trailer. Welcome to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire.
1: Is the right answer! <laughs> Doctors, lawyers never get beyond 16,000 rupees. He's on 10 million. What can a I... slum dog possibly know?
0: He went on the show because I thought she'd be watching. She's my destiny.
1: Well, you are correct michael in one thing and that is this was the big winner of the year it won 8 oscars pretty astounding uh it was one director best picture adapted screenplay cinematography editing music original song for of course jai ho you know of course of which, course which which we all love i mean i've had that on repeat ever since <laughs> Is that the one that they do at the end? I with believe the so. Bollywood dance I actually number? didn't finish that because I didn't really love it. Oh, much.
0: you know me. I see credits. I <laughs> I turn it off immediately.
1: <laughs> but, but when knowing that it won the, the Oscar, uh, you didn't. No, turn that it doesn't off. make you want to see it more. Yeah, no, I got things to do. You didn't love the dance?
0: Yeah, I don't need to see a dance.
1: Uh, sound mixing it won for it was nominated for best music original song and also for sound editing. So it won all the you know important ones except. Of course, no Oscar, no no acting Oscars, mm. which is a little unusual for this many um, this many wins. So, two thousand eight Warner Independent Pictures was shut down, and all of its projects went over to Warner Brothers. So Warner Brothers doubted whether Slumdog would succeed, and is like, let's just put this bad boy right on DVD. So, but then you know they they got a deal with fox searchlight pictures they split the deal 50-50
0: it's kind of weird though because <laughs> even at this point danny boyle was yeah, not a nobody i know i
1: i agree it's a little i i thought danny boyle would make it at least something there but um so anyway they make this deal split the money and it became fox searchlight pictures highest grossing film ever passing up juno and it was the most successful British independent film of all time. Wow. Um, it was made for 15 million and it made 378. <laughs> 378! Huge. Can't believe it. 15 to 378. Um,
0: so, all those awards, all that box office, you're keeping it. Let's just end the show. Yeah. We're done. You don't have anything I'm... negative to say about this movie, <laughs> do you? <laughs> Is that what you're telling me? <laughs>
1: We'll get to the keep it and kick it later. I'm trying to stay so positive on this, on this uh, podcast. Got 91% of Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, you can't go wrong when it's 91 of Rotten Tomatoes. Mm Mm-hmm. Roughly five times better than M. Night Shyamalan's movie from 2008. (laughs) The Happening. The Happening. I haven't seen it. (laughs) You don't need to see it. I can't decide whether you're joking about these horrible movies or not, or actually they are good, because sometimes they actually are.
0: Yes. I'm a huge Shyamalan fan. You don't need to see The Happening.
1: Okay. I'll skip it. Thank you, because I I thought I was done with 08. Actually, I still haven't gotten back to The Visitor, which I kind of want to do, and I have it, so I kind of want to rewatch it. And I have the shotgun stories from DVD Netflix. Have you seen that?
0: Yeah,
1: is that worth watching? Should I just put it back in the envelope and send it back?
0: Uh, you like Michael Shannon,
1: right? I do. Yeah. So okay, I'll watch it. That's enough reason, right there. Uh, Metacritic at eighty six. It was on a hundred and twenty three top ten lists. The fourth most of any movie of the year. Um, <laughs> what is that? What is that for? This that, is that gasp. That, that reverse gasp.
0: You're. This is a litany of positivity. <laughs> it, it is. It's. It's like 91 it rotten tomatoes. Better. It made over 300 million dollars. Eight Oscars. I mean, Wall it, Street. It, it, it did no wrong. The Wall movie. Street
1: Journal critic Jorgen Joe Morgenstern called Slumdog Millionaire quote the world the film world's first globalized masterpiece. Hmm. Period. End quote globalized masterpiece. I mean, you got Danny Boyle who's British, right? Is he British? Yep. Goes over to India, gets, um, all kinds of Bollywood. Uh, and he was very influenced by Bollywood. You know, he's, he's doing his style stuff on purpose. Um, but so is it, is it a globalized masterpiece?
0: The director and the writer are both British. Hmm. I'm not so sure. That's I think Globalized. That, I think that we—that's not American. So may- I
1: mean, that's that's exotic. Uh,
0: maybe we were just <laughs> very very eager to uh, start embracing you know non-white movies. Could be. And maybe we jumped the gun, giving <laughs> the, the phrase to the wrong one. I, I, I mean, we're going to get into this more. Because I will say we gave the praise to the wrong one on accident. Oh my goodness! I will say what a mistake. I liked this movie more <laughs> this time.
1: So I liked it so much less this time. <laughs> anyway, question one: We're gonna talk. We're gonna do questions. We're gonna talk trivia, and we're gonna get to the grand reveal.
0: And me liking it more Keep this it time, or kick it. Maybe is because I went in kind of like. I didn't like this movie at all. This stands in no chance. And no. then I watched it and I was kind of like, ah, you know, all right, it's fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. And maybe you were the flip where you went in no, I with high expectations. I didn't necessarily
1: love it the first time around, but I remember kind of the, uh, I remember how colorful it was, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a pretty artistic way. And I kind of liked that. I didn't remember a whole lot about it other than like the whole conceit of it. I didn't really buy into that much, but yeah. I was like, huh, look at these specs look at the back of this dvd it must (laughs) be good look at these specs (laughs) all right (laughs) first question
0: yeah is this best picture nomination just a makeup an apology if you will for 28 days later getting snubbed in (laughs) 2002
1: they're pretty much in the same category of movie i mean i'm sorry danny boyle i'm so sorry that we we didn't nominate
0: 28 days later no it's not my question i do love 28 (laughs) days later Um, I just wanted to find a way to fit in. I liked
1: 28 Days Later quite a bit, too. It's far far
0: superior than this this movie. Let's just get that out in front. I think that we can both agree.
1: 28 Days Later did not make my top five that year, but I agree. It's far superior.
0: Okay. So my actual question, Mm -hmm. do you buy into the love story that's kind of at the center of this movie? And the follow-up question, which is the more important part, is are we supposed to?
1: the, the love story is so puzzling to me in this movie. Mm -hmm. I, okay. The, the childhood, um, you know, this girl is like, you know, she's caught in the rain and, you know, it's with all these other kids who are about to go off and be blinded and we're going to escape. That's great. You know? And then everything after that with the, with the romance I didn't get. Um, and I kind of thought maybe this is like a, a Bollywood soap opera vibe that I'm not quite catching on to, you know, I, I I don't, I don't quite get a lot of, you know, I, I, I criticize or I, I find, I criticize myself for not responding to like sort of campy sort of over the top acting, a lot of musicals, a lot of comedies kind of don't work for me that well this way. So I'm like, maybe that's what that's, maybe that's what's going on. I just don't quite get the acting. Um, but yeah, I didn't feel one ounce of chemistry pretty much in this romance. Um, I get, I kind of got why he thought she was beautiful. You yeah, know, she's beautiful, but like, I didn't really, anyway, I said it.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> well, first of all, to, to address the sort of um, the shift, I guess, in their relationship from when they're little kids to what sense does it make that they like each other when they're older? Mm-hmm. I think that it's just because they kind of represent the only last shred of innocence left in either of their lives. I could see that. So that's, they're kind of clinging to that, which, okay, I could, I can get on board with that. But, but the more important question, I guess, is the second part, the, are we supposed to buy into the, to the love? Do we have to care about the love story in order to uh, care about the payoff of the love story? If that makes any sense.
1: It's, I mean, I guess, I think you kind of have to see it as, more of a fantasy, more of a fable. You know, Straight up fairy tale. You, this have to, movie. you have to see it as a fairy tale. Yeah. We've talked about the fairy tales too, going back to the Chocolat episode, mm-hmm. which is one of our best. You got to go back and listen to that one. Um, Definitely top five. <laughs> Hard keep. <laughs> so I, I don't so know. So <laughs> the
0: fairy tale element for me yeah. annoyed me the most on first watch. Okay. That was when I was kind of like, everything okay good that happens at the end of this movie is not earned at all. Mm-hmm. This is all bogus. Why did this win Best Picture? It, this symbolizes everything that I hate about the Oscars. This like pandering, feel good, not... This is... That's that's all the stuff that annoyed me. The heart me.
1: of why we do the show.
0: Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Reassessing, you know, where these Oscar yeah. nominations come from. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: But I also kind of thought about... It is a fairy tale. So keeping that in mind this time, I was a little bit quicker to forgive that you know, not feeling earned part of it. And I and I thought about asking you instead of this question about the love story, more specifically about the who wants to be a millionaire portion of the show. Does he have to win the million dollars in order for this movie to work? Mm-hmm. And I think that the answer is obviously yes. He does.
1: It ha- He has to win it for, it for this movie to work. If
0: he doesn't win the money, nothing makes sense in this no. movie. And that's just another kind of contributor to the fact that Maybe we're not supposed to take all this, all that seriously.
1: You're not supposed to be surprised by the ending at no, all. You know? No, no. Um, I think that this, this idea of the, the fantasy, the fable, I think they work better as maybe as books or, st- writ, you know, stories to read. You want to spend more time in this world. I do not. <laughs> okay. Um But, you know, a one pager, you know, that's a flash fiction. <laughs> that's not fiction, a book. That's a flash fiction that you read <laughs> okay. uh, because I think that there's like, you kind of let your imagination fill in the details here. Um, the, the, the movie maker is doing it and it's like, it's almost impossible to do, hmm. to, to do it, satisfy, to, to be satisfied with it. It's so much
0: about magic and, and fate. Um, and the idea that a good guy could catch a break. And I don't know, this time around, I guess while watching, those things didn't annoy me.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: When I thought about it afterward, I realized the more I was thinking about the mechanics of this movie and what it's supposed to mean and what it accomplishes,
1: then I started being (laughs) more annoyed. So I want to see a line graph of your annoyance. (laughs) Over my time. annoyance
0: uh, my here's the line graph the while X-axis, watching i'm just a stable line <laughs> i didn't really have any highs i didn't really care enough to have during the movie yes i was a full <laughs> flat line for about an hour and 45 minutes which Co-blue. i thought was fine because Co-blue. i thought i was going to be in the valley the whole time <laughs> so I, I thought this is an improvement i'm a flat line right. and then afterward when i really start thinking about it that's kind of when my my you know my expectations of the movie yeah. um dipped a
1: bit. But I was happy to not dislike it in the
0: moment. Yeah. So I, I don't know what that means, if that means anything.
1: Um, this is why, this is a sort of a pact I made with myself. My, my left side of the brain made a pact with the right side of my brain. Mm-hmm. That in doing this podcast, it would never become like a, you know, bash the great art of somebody else. Mm-hmm. As though I know better than Danny Boyle. I mean, I, I respect Danny Boyle. Once he makes 28 Days Later... He earns your respect and earns the benefit of the doubt. So it's like, it's, it's got to be my fault. But yeah, I, anyway, I'll go into question one. My, right. my question. Um, the cinematography handled by Anthony Dodd Mantle. He was nominated, or he won Best Picture? No. Did he win?
0: I think he won Best Cinematography.
1: Yes, he won Best Cinematography. All digital, by the way. Or mainly digital. There were five Sorry.
0: different forms of film oh, stock okay. used.
1: very, very good. Um, what did you think about the fantasy scene where they jump off the train and then when they hit the ground, they're seven years later. Tell me what you thought about that moment.
0: Not much. (laughs) I I mean, the film does jump a lot in, in in time, you know, not only back and forth between who wants to be a millionaire and, and life, but between them being little kids with their mom and then being a little older when their mom is, is dead and they're kind of trying to make it on their own, um, to then kind of becoming more streetwise, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and learning in new ways to, to make money. Um, so, so really I'm not trying to, to criticize that part. It's just, I didn't really even think much about it because it was just another, another jump in time edit for me.
1: I liked Danny Boyle's, um, you know, there's a lot of really bold moves here, whether it's Danny Boyle's idea or Anthony Dodd Mantle's ideas, it's hard to tell sometimes, but This, this, uh, you know, these shots that are like the, the scale of the, of the, the trash piles in India, that was, that was quite effective to me. You know, they're, they're sleeping under this like little makeshift lean to when they're kind of rediscovered or discovered by the, you know, the first set of bad guys, Mm -hmm. um, as little kids. And it's, it's very, um, I mean the, the squalor that they're enduring here and seemingly not really knowing any different is, um, is pretty heart-wrenching to me that 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 was one of the most effective parts of the movie. And then I really, I I liked how there's all these, you know, slanted cameras, the bright yellow lights on Latica, um, the little girl in the rain as she's kind of hunching down, um, the kind of there, there's like an over the top style to it that, um, I, I liked that. It was a surprise with every shot, you know, in certain stretches. Um, and I thought that the brothers jumping off the train and be getting seven years older. It was a little bit predictable almost when they, when they did. I don't know how I, my, maybe I remember that scene from watching the first time, although mm. I don't, I didn't feel like I remembered a ton about the movie, but anyway, that was uh, th- that was one of those were some of the things I liked about the movie.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask you about the cinematography next because in my memory of this movie, I remembered the structure Game show, real life, growing yeah. up, that kind of thing. I had no memory whatsoever of the visual personality of yeah. this, which I thought was weird because in rewatching... It's, it's in your face. Yes, it's yeah. really quirky and like I said, five different kinds of film mm-hmm. sucks. So it jumps in between one scene is, you know, panorama, widescreen, very glossy. The next is... Gritty and and small and you know you you jump around between like a handheld and and a dolly so it's a lot going on at once
1: Um I don't know that that meshing is that satisfying I think that's I think, the question I think yeah. some parts of it are are really strong individually as as shots but yes. then kind of like the shifting back and forth I didn't really feel like I kind of got why they were doing it for to serve the story purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know that it served the, the sort of fantasy element as much. I mean, I guess one part, one thing that it does do for you is the, the, um, the melodrama and the fake theatrics of the built into the game show, you know, there's like, these bright lights, there's sort of like I don't know if there's actually fog machines, but you could imagine that there would be in this kind of idea. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, you know, the guy, the 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 host is like really um he's being extremely melodramatic, just saying like, Are you sure that's your your final answer? You know, just like they did in the American version yeah. of the of And the it's show. super
0: it's super phony because he'll talk to him. Candidly, yeah. in between, and then go right back to his sort of uh, right. you know host voice.
1: So, is there a connection between how the rest of the movie is being made and that you know the the fantasy versus reality? The fantasy mm-hmm. part is so off from his you know he, he's trying to trick the kid you know the teenager. The I don't know how old he is. Maybe he's eighteen or twenty by this time. But the game show host is actually trying to prevent, and he writes you know the wrong answer on the mirror and everything, and and. You know, he, he's just a real, you know, ball. He's a jerk. I think we can okay, say it. I think so. We, we can just come Slime right ball out. ball, even. He's, he's
0: slimy. But I, I'm with you. Is I, there
1: a connection between that and the style of the I, movie? I don't I, know. I
0: don't know, and I don't think so, but I haven't really thought Maybe about it. Maybe we
1: need to study this and that. do a, a part two of this episode. Maybe
0: we should. Our first two-parter. I think that that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I didn't understand why either. Because if you look at something like 28 Days Later, he does use that sort of mini DV digital camera, which is very gritty and grainy and looks low budget, it's but that makes post, total sense. Post apocalyptic. Exactly. Style. You're yeah. following this small band of survivors there in a completely emptied out London, but it's yeah. just like one person or three people or whoever. Mm-hmm. And it kind of takes away any distance that there was between the actors and their surroundings. So it makes total sense here. I found it distracting, you know, more showy. And I, I just didn't really understand um, why we're drawing more attention to the style over the characters here. This
1: is partly where I'm going to switch to i uh, I'm going to, I'm going to shift to one of my other questions here. <clears throat> so there are some critics who were not real, thrilled with the ending musical number, which I think is kind of like a Bollywood thing. I'm -hmm. not not really sure, but I think it's partly the tradition of it. But does that trivialize all of the very powerful shooting in the slums? You know, you go to this like dancing in the streets, you know, we're, we're, we're going so far as to making a pyramid of dancers. Like this is like a music video as the, you know, the final, but it's sort of seen as like the, the emotional fulfillment of the movie. I mean, now we're, we the love story worked, but does that, I mean, at first it's like a gritty social reality, sort of a, a, a movie. Does that undermine any possible social good that it might've been done? Or is that just not even, are, are we not trying to do any, any good with that? Um, draw attention to like what life is like in the slums for little kids. Is that not part of the intention of that? Or does the, do those two things just like, do they clash or is there something we can learn from that?
0: I don't think that they clash. I don't don't think it undermines the, you know, sort of exposing a part of the world that we weren't familiar with before, just because they're dancing at the end, because it is tradition and because this is a fairy tale. So if, If the whole idea of the fairy tale is to get to that place where we're going from rags to riches and now we're going to celebrate the riches, you celebrate with a dance, baby. You know, what else do you (laughs) do when you win a million (laughs) dollars? You get your friends over, you
1: choreograph something.
0: Yeah. And you 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 work
1: on it a few times and you shoot. Yeah, it's easy. So um, Danny Boyle agreed with you. He said in an interview, he said, people say, how can you go from the deliberate maiming of a child to a big Bollywood song and dance in the end? Unquote. Well, he and then he well, he goes on with his quote. Well, you don't try to smooth the path from one to the other. I was trying to put all the elements into the film that belong to the city that are part of that city. And the fact is that there are these crazy contradictions in yeah. India. Um, and putting them all in one is not a contradiction. It's just depicting what what, 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 at least his vision and what the author of the book, you know, I think the book was called Q and a, um, What, what those were based anyway, he, he, he didn't see it as a contradiction. Um, I, I don't know.
0: (laughs) You wanted to take the kid's story more seriously. That
1: was the most compelling part by far to me was the kids in the slum, the visuals of the running, you know, running through and just the crazy, immense scale of, of that. That was the most impactful thing. So once you leave that and, um, there's just so many sort of like false emotional moments or moments that didn't really hit me. Like I, I don't know. Dev Patel's character is like, he, he's sort of calmly telling his tale. There's so many coincidences throughout that also, I mean, that's the whole movie. They ring right? about fantasy and fairy tale. Um, so having that on top of like this really horrible, gritty reality of the kids starving in the in the slums. Um, was kind of, it, it jarred me a bit.
0: I could see it. Um, I, I'm almost thinking that in order to get what it seems like you want and keep the focus more on seriously telling those kids' stories, you either have to get rid of the millionaire game show altogether. Yeah, it's tr- or he has to win the million dollars and then do something good with it.
1: And go back and, and help all the kids. Yeah. Instead, he does it by throwing this crazy expensive music video party. I love how you think the, the character end.
0: threw this he did. party. He
1: did. That was Dev Patel. It wasn't even the character. It was the actor. Ah, Okay. No, no it, makes, it makes perfect sense.
0: Okay. So, a mind on fire on Twitter. We had a little thread going back and forth. We did. This week. Hello, and mind. He said... I'm not the biggest Slumdog fan. I watched it. It was a thing and I never went back. Oscar winner? There are other directors who have had, who have told the same story and better. Some even gasp from India.
1: Hmm.
0: So this comment inspired, I think, a couple of interesting questions. We already said Danny Boyle and the screenwriter, not Indian. (laughs) Is that a problem? That's that's sort of the first question that I think we got to talk about.
1: I, th- this is a, this is something that comes up a lot in, you know, people co-opting other, other culture stories and things like that. I guess I, the best answer to that to me is, you know, if we only limit things to what we actually have experienced, then it kills a lot of art all around the world. Mm-hmm. You know, like Michelangelo, you know, he wasn't even. A turtle? Uh No, not the the, the Michelangelo Buonardi, the mm, Italian, not, no, um, I'm artist, not, I'm not familiar. Okay. Well, uh, I'll, I'll, we'll explain more about that later, but Michelangelo, I mean, I don't know, is he, is he telling stories from Jewish tradition from the old Testament? And so that's, I don't know. You you can make a lot of, um, bad comparisons there, but I, I guess I can understand when, when a, uh, a culture or a race is underrepresented, and then the, mm-hmm. the only representations that you have are like, I mean, but I don't know. That falls apart pretty quickly for me, so I don't really have a problem with um, Danny Boyle telling this story personally.
0: Um, and I, if people do see this as the global masterpiece like you kind of opened the show with, then it is doing a little bit of good, right, to expose people to uh, a whole sort of yeah. area of, of, of cinema that they didn't even know
1: existed. One of the, um, there's a, a, an acclaimed filmmaker from India during the 80s and 90s. He won Best Director five times in the uh, Indian National Film Awards. His name is Adur Gopalakrishnan. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I'm sorry if you're listening, Adur. Um, he said that the movie is a very anti-Indian film. Mm. He said all the bad elements of Bombay's commercial cinema are put together and in a very slick way and it underlines and endorses what the west thinks about us. It is falsehood built upon falsehood. Wow. Um so he was pretty upset with it. A lot of people were um so maybe I'm not the right one to ask. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um
0: but I think that's always sort of the safe response to to questions like these, you know, it's, if you're not from that group, it's like I don't really know. But, I, I don't have the right to
1: But I think it was pretty popular in, I mean, it was popular around the world. Those aren't all American numbers in the 378 in the box office. So
0: the one thing I did realize is, okay, this is all make-believe and sort of the whole point of art, I guess, I guess is to put yourself in other people's shoes and, you know, that's how you build empathy and all that kind of stuff. But I did think it was kind of interesting that traditionally with these types of stories that either take place on a different side of the planet or whatever, um, we usually do have an American kind of at the center to work as the surrogate for the audience to kind yeah,
1: of be the f- our— The fish out of water who sees our—who who we kind of identify with, and therefore we see their culture through you know a lens that makes sense. Yeah, sometimes. like
0: uh, Last King of Scotland— Mm-hmm. Um, I guess he was an yeah, American. James was McAvoy. Or was he
1: playing an American? I don't... But he's going into, into, or I guess uh, he was Scottish. Into Africa for, without a, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, I, I, I quite enjoyed that movie too, actually.
0: Blood Diamond was another one, mm-hmm. right? You have Leo. He's kind of like our in <laughs> this one. There is no in. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's sort of the difference is we mm-hmm. don't have a guy who kind of represents the writer or, Danny or Boyle. the guy.
1: I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Um, Yeah, so that kind of goes similar to another question that I had. Kenneth Turan of the Los Angeles Times um, described this movie as a, quote, Hollywood-style romantic melodrama and delivers major studio satisfactions in an ultra-modern way. Then he says, it's a story of star-crossed romance that the original Warner Brothers would have embraced it shamelessly pulls out all the stops you wouldn't think anyone would have the nerve to attempt anymore. A hmm. star-crossed romance that the original Warner Brothers would have embraced. So I think that this is also kind of a postmodern uh, take on this movie that um, we've already heard the story of guy meets girl at the train uh, too many times. So how is Danny Boyle going to tell this story? Well, he has to do it in a completely different setting. So he's going to go do it, tell it in India. I'm not saying that was his motivation, but for a story that is setting you up for a blissfully happy, you know, dance party ending, um, that is sort of scoffed by most serious art critics. And this one won eight Oscars. So how did he get, how did they get away with that? Mm. Um, it's by doing it in a totally different, you know, make it new Ezra Pound said, "Make it new." That's part of modernism, postmodernism, you have to draw attention to the fact that, hey, look, we're doing all these old Hollywood-style things, um, but you know, we're self-consciously kind of retelling that old story, but we're making it new for you in a different way by repackaging it like this. Maybe that's one way to understand the movie. But do you did you feel like this had some kind of throwback element to it, or did it feel like? Indian cinema.
0: I, I'm not a student of Indian cinema. That's definitely one corner. I thought you were. No, this I'm, whole time. I, I wish I were. I wish I were. But that is one corner. I thought that we were going really... to
1: uh, best picture this Bollywood edition next time. <laughs>
0: Maybe we should do a Bollywood marathon. That <laughs> I could use a, a schooling. Um, but I don't. I don't know a whole lot. But I definitely don't look at this and and think that this is made from someone on the other side of the the world. I mean, it, it feels like a pretty mainstream. You feel like it's a
1: Danny Boyle movie. Yeah. This
0: is a movie from America or the UK. I mean, it, it looks like that. It's just, it stars different people and the whole it being hyper modern thing is the cinematography discussion that we were having at the start of this, you know, where it, it you know, he changes visual styles and technique so often that it's kind of like experimentation, mm-hmm. whether or not that, that really plays up any of the themes that he's working with or says anything <laughs> about the characters I'm not sure but it yeah. does make the movie feel a little bit different and you know yeah. when we have a mainstream movie that's a- about a couple indian kids um
1: it's very unusual for it, it that is, to yeah. be i mean that kind of box office and it did great in the US so hmm. i don't know something about this did feel to me um I, I, I did kind of like the idea of being transported. You know, that's something it did for me. So, you well, got the, any more questions? From
0: yeah, me? the other interesting okay. question from that Twitter thread mm-hmm. has to do with how we judge movies, I think. Mm-hmm. I want to propose a new metric.
1: Oh boy, this is to, exciting. It goes. I'm usually the one that proposes new <laughs> metrics that don't go anywhere. <laughs> Now you have an opportunity. It
0: goes, are you glad that you watched <laughs> or would you watch again? Mm. So I like the keeper kick because yep. our whole point is we're trying to find our top five movies of the year. There's there, a permanence and there only, to the kick. You know, th- once it's gone, it's gone.
1: Once it's off the pedestal, it cannot climb up. I mean, it's a statue.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to climb back into that top five. It's, <laughs> it's hallowed ground. Once the boot is up. So there are only five spots for that. So in that case, the keeper kick makes sense. But for a more nuanced take, (laughs) I think it's worth... Are you glad you watched this? Yeah, it's worth exploring what we get out of these watches, especially once we've seen them before. So it isn't so much, is this rewatchable? It's kind of more, did rewatching it add value to your life (laughs) in some way or give you some insight that you didn't have before. For example, I'll okay. give you an example. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen Frost Nixon. I kicked it, and it was a pretty easy kick. But you're glad you watched. I'm it. glad I watched it. Yeah. Would I watch it again? Maybe if I was like writing something. If or- I was desperate for <laughs> if entertainment. <laughs> if I was desperate. <laughs> no. If I wanted to kind of study something. Yeah. Um, uh, power dynamics as seen through dialogue words alone mm-hmm. i might go back to this movie and say how did they do it because there's something of value there
1: that's very true and i think i think that there's a there's a there is like an intellectual curiosity and like mm-hmm. um the the idea of studying it i think definitely makes sense there's a lot of books on my shelf at home i have a lot of books on bookshelves mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not just stacked humble brag <laughs> i mean they're books well i i bought almost every one of them for between zero dollars and one dollar most of them at like library book sales so i don't i don't even think there's any brag in there it's more humble it's just humble but i have a lot of books um and you did not let me finish the sentence most of which i have not read i mean they're more just decoration but i kind of have collected a few here and there of different topics or different authors thinking that like hmm i think i might like to have a little personal study of that author or that you know, that, that subject, for example, Lewis and Clark expedition, I have like three or four books. I haven't read them yet. Um, but, uh, so yeah, sometimes just thinking, I'm glad I watched that because it does broaden my view of the art form Mm -hmm. of that. A lot of times I'm glad I watched it because it, it helps me understand that director. Yeah. You know, and, um, I'm glad I watched it because I, I think I got a little view into another world. Um, makes me feel more, I think the globalization thing has some, has some truth to it for me. So yeah, I think I, uh, am I glad I watched it?
0: So another example, <laughs> so Frost Nixon is one that I hadn't seen before. Milk is another one yeah. I hadn't seen before. I kicked it. Mm-hmm. i would not say i'm glad i watched it you're not glad you saw milk not glad i saw it and
1: and it's not that i
0: hated it <laughs> i gave it a gentleman's three stars and it was a gentleman three out of
1: five yeah I gave it a gentleman that means see i was gonna say the glad you watched it is like a two and a half out of four it's like a uh i it's a soft recommend my three, it's like you'll probably be glad you watched it i but think it's of not a, one i of your think fav- of a recommend as
0: three and a half usually is my threshold for a recommend mm. a three is more like a solid I can I didn't find huge faults with this but it's not either not my thing or I found just as many detractors as positives it's a very complicated system quite right?
1: quite complicated
0: but even though I don't dislike that movie it was kind of exactly what I thought it would be mm-hmm. I don't think that there's anything that I would be missing in my life from having not seen it mm-hmm. so that's my split so with Slumdog Millionaire we both had seen it before mm-hmm. where do you stand on the am I glad I rewatched yeah. it? <laughs> would you watch it again
1: um i feel pretty confident that i'm never going to watch it again mm-hmm. uh what would make me rewatch it
0: what about if you're on a plane
1: and it's going down <laughs> and the only <laughs> no, no not oh, okay okay
0: just you're on a plane and you need something n- wallpaper if, if this for the back. if
1: this if this were put in front of me
0: <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't shield your eyes <laughs>
1: If this, I, don't, I haven't been on a plane in a while. I, I, you know, I have five children, so we don't ever fly places. We mm-hmm. drive. Mm-hmm. So if this were on the headrest in front of me, you know, the, the seat back in front of me, I would not watch it. I would, I would do something <laughs> else. I would read a book or something else. So n- I watched about, I've watched almost probably two dozen movies from 2008 this is like number twenty three and number twenty four. Wow! It is. Okay. It, it was one of my least favorites that I've watched for the year.
0: So, is that revelation <laughs> that that come down from liking it the first time to kind of it sounds like you hated it this time? It, is that knowledge that you're hate. that you're glad that you have because now you have a clearer picture on on where well, it is in your life's movie rankings? I would rankings. say this is
1: a movie. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna say that any movie that I am, you know, I'm not really glad I watched it. Number twenty-three out of twenty-four, or twenty-four out of twenty-four. I mean, if I'm not going to make that one of my, no, I'm not glad I watched it. I don't know what I would, what I would do. So I wish, the, I wish it. I would have watched The Visitor or a Shotgun series stories instead. Yeah, yeah. So this movie is kind of
0: infamous now as one of kind the of worst a, best picture nominees ever. Do you think that?
1: <laughs> I mean, it does have that reputation. In my, That's not me saying oh, okay, that. Okay. In, in that. In my personal pantheon, this is one of the worst of the nominees. Um, but there's been some bad ones. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the thing. I think it's in the bottom. So this is Oh eight. So we've done 40, 45 best picture nominees so far. No, 50, mm -hmm. uh, inclusive, something like that. 55 best picture nominees. This is probably, you know, in the 50 to 55 range in for me personally.
0: Yeah. Um, you middle of the pack. Yeah, I think maybe middle. It's more middle of the pack. Middle of the pack, maybe lower middle. Um, it's one of these things where I always wonder how much of that, you know, sort of social media um, backlash is just a product of social media echo chambers and group think and all that kind of stuff. I don't think because I look wind into that. Look back. I don't know. Look back, 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. It won all these Oscars. It made all this money. People liked this movie when it came out, but yeah. something happened between 2008 and 2022. Now, all of a sudden, everybody agrees that this movie is like uh, not up to snuff. Mm-hmm. Something about that stinks to me. And I'm not willing to just kind of say that as a culture, collectively, we all figured out, oh, we were wrong the first time. I think that, I don't know, if these things kind of just grow. But- I also don't really like this movie, <laughs> so I think those two things can be true at the same time.
1: It's, I guess it's the question of if people loved it at first and then they slowly stopped loving it. Mm-hmm. Why? Why did they do that? I don't think I really loved it at first. I think it was kind of like, you know, I, I was, it was in two thousand eight or nine or ten. Whenever I watched it, I was trying to catch up on the best picture winners and nominees. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I watched it. Yeah, and,
0: and I I could. I guess I could be disappointed in a movie and I could even point out weaknesses without going so far as to say, this is one of the worst movies I'd ever seen. It's, it's not to me. Yeah. I just think that it's just, it's a middle of the road, mediocre and doesn't really do anything special. And yeah. I think that's enough of a criticism.
1: Mm-hmm. That's, that's putting it down sufficiently. Yeah, for sure. A couple trivia points. Uh, the film r- reached number one in its second weekend. Uh, in the UK and it increased, so it increased by 47%. I think it was basically like after the Oscar nominations came out or something. Um, so it it went up by 47%. That's the biggest ever increase in the UK since Billy Elliot. And I just thought I got to put Billy Elliot in here. We don't talk about Billy Elliot enough, or as you like to call it, you know, leprechaun in the hood. (laughs) Um, Danny Boyle <laughs> just for the record I didn't call it. That. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little miscommunication back in the 2000 era. Um <laughs> Danny Boyle won a 2013 <laughs> primetime Emmy for directing the London opening ceremony. That's kind of kind of interesting. 2012 <laughs> they I love it when they when a director like directs like a commercial or, I mean, there's so many who music have directed videos. music videos. Mm-hmm. I would love to have like a, just a playlist of all like the greatest act, greatest directors and what music, music videos they made. And uh, check that out.
0: I want to cut in because now I'm thinking about Billy Elliot. Um, Stephen Daldry. Yep. Also did the reader. Yep. You like both movies. I did. But I think, I feel like you liked Billy Elliot more. Is that higher yeah.
1: for you on, on, Yeah. Billy Elliot was a kit was a keep. It was a top five movie for me that year. Um, I just thought there was so much, I don't know, there's so much honesty and it it was also a transportational sort of a movie. You know, this kid going in outsider, going into the ballet world, Mm -hmm. you know, he's very conscious of like the, the gender stereotypes that, you know, I shouldn't really be here. I'm a, I'm a boy. And it was a very, um, you know, strongly heteronormative family, you know, that he's in. Yeah. Uh, you know, tough union guys. So I think that was kind of made it pretty interesting and there's some poetry to it, you know, some of the shooting was really interesting. Um
0: And it's just so much more joyous than The Reader. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a yeah. sort of about um passion exactly, and The yeah. Reader is kind of about like dealing with death and guilt and yep. one's and one's the, a much harder watch.
1: It is. Um The Reader also is trying to hammer home a sort of social political message and that often is kind of you know takes some of the the art appreciation out of it and it's sort of like well what am i supposed to learn from this mm-hmm. and th- that's you know there's some of that in slum dog that kind of it seems like it's a little bit trying to uh, i don't know but that's what i liked about it too is that it it did give me a, a view of a different culture and a different world so I I don't know if I want to criticize that part of it. Um, so we come to the grand reveal.
0: Such a reveal at this will point. Will you
1: keep this movie in your top 500 or will you kick the movie? <laughs> My top
0: 500. <laughs> it's an easy kick for me. It was a kick in 2008 when I saw it. Mm-hmm. It's a kick now. I'm kicking every single Oscar nomination Um Every single Best Picture nomination from this year. Yeah,
1: I'll be curious to see how you rank them in our upcoming episode, the finale. That'll be kind of interesting for me. Yeah. A little exercise.
0: I've thought about that too. This is a movie uh, a year, I feel like, without standout movies. I don't know. Not one of them really jumps out as the front runner to me.
1: As a number one? Yeah. Not even The Dark Knight?
0: No, no. Out of the Oscar nominations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay
1: there's some really strong ones outside of the Oscar nominations. Um, But yeah, with this, I don't know, we'll talk more about it in the next episode. But um, also, kick for me, some of the, I mean, the biggest glaring problems were the coincidences. I mean, I know it's kind of like this fairy tale idea, but like Jamal Dev Patel's character like finding Latika out of a billion people and then finding her again, you know, through a call center and then... You know, he's guessing correctly, and I don't know. There's so many things that you just have to. All keep. of
0: the questions are kind of based off of things. that it just happened to happen in pure his pure coincidence life that
1: they're asking these questions that he has a personal story for. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I just couldn't I couldn't suspend my disbelief that many times in a row. Next episode is the finale, 2008, where we get to hear. I mean, so many good ones. The Wrestler, The Dark Knight. I know we both were big fans of those. The Dark Knight is kind of... Um, I, you know what I think? I was criticizing The Dark Knight in our Dark Knight episode, and I felt bad about it afterward.
0: You realized the error of your I ways. I think the
1: biggest issue with The Dark Knight is... Too short. There's so <laughs> <laughs> There are so many Batman movies to compare it to. I think that hurt it in my mind this time around, because I was thinking, hmm. like, I really liked... Not everybody did, but I really liked how Robert Pattinson blended the Bruce Wayne Batman character in in, and how that movie how how that character was developed together. And this one, the the, everything to do with the Bruce Wayne Dark Knight, you know, it, it felt kind of it felt a little stagey, especially compared to what the Joker was doing. You know, you have Isn't the, it supposed to be though? The, but it's so much about theatricality. But the thing is, the <clears> Joker ironically seems the most believable character in the movie.
0: It's funny that you're that you're saying that because the Joker is committed 100% to his persona yeah. and he embodies it 100% of the time. Robert Pattinson in The Batman is the same way. There's really yeah, not a divide I, between I know. between his character and that his worked for me. person.
1: Um, but the the Joker in, in The Dark Knight, he truly believes everything he's saying, I think, about like, you know, you have to get what you can get. You know, people are horrible. And, you know, I don't know. Like, there's some sincerity to it that a lot of times the other characters, you know, Aaron Eckhart's character, Christian Bale's character, also known as Batman mm-hmm. or Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne, um, sometimes they... You you don't I don't know sometimes the delivery just didn't really work as well. Anyway, we're not really here just to talk about the Dark Knight, <laughs> but I'm excited to figure out. I haven't even figured out where in my ranking the Dark Knight falls. Um, I think the Reader has the maybe the best chance of making the top five, but I don't know yet. So excited about yeah, it'll be that discussion.
0: I'll be interested to see what you do with your list because I have a yeah. feeling you're only going to keep maybe the Reader,
1: maybe one. I, th- I don't. One th- nomination. I maybe. think I kicked everything. Um, so
0: if you're gonna kick five and I'm gonna kick I'm five, prob- we're making these lists from scratch, pretty much. So. All right, this is going to be fun. Yeah. Until then, find us on Spotify, Apple, wherever else you listen, and on social media. And for 16 years of golden takes, head over to letterbox.com slash Mike Cavallari.
1: To support the show, visit patreon.com slash this. Thanks to
0: WNZF and the illustrious Mark Gilliland for producing. Also, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show.
1: Thanks for listening to Best Picture This, the star-crossed romance that the original Warner Brothers would have embraced.